With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. You ever think about quitting? It's the combat of life hammering the snot out of you. Well, stand by, dig in deep, and get ready to get fired up with us. Welcome to the Team Never Quit Podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off, and to interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, buttercup, and let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative you insurgency me up, man. in their lives. You fire me up. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. Let's talk about the tasking that we got today. My, you know, my honeydew list that Melanie gave me when I showed up uh, two days ago about the plants at Mom's Congratulations house. on the baby, by the way. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. He's doing a lot better. He's doing good. We still don't have any answers first on time, that. First time we've been on since we had him, right? Yep, 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 yep. So the, we still don't have a solid answer on what the blood abnormalities are. But if I didn't know that he had something wrong with him, he's a completely happy baby from the outside, sleeping, crying when he needs to. But He didn't have anything wrong with it. Like we say, man, if he wasn't fighting from birth, he wouldn't be from this family. Oh, I mean, in, in, I mean out, of, out of the womb, into intensive care, out of intensive care, back into the hospital. Yeah, he's a fighter. I got high hopes for the young man. I tell you. Did I tell you about Gunner's four-year checkup? Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 6-6, six, 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 right? 6-6. Six, six. Yeah, we did the statistical, you know, what he's going to look like when he's a grown-up. 6-6. Six, six. I actually stood up in the chair and started clapping. That's amazing that they can do that. I know. Because, uh, I mean, we didn't grow till we were in our 20s. Well, we were like 5-6 when we graduated high school. That's a pretty scary thought. I know. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Morgan Luttrell. I am Marcus's older and better-looking brother by seven minutes, so back in the older days, I'd have been king for sure. Most people don't know that I exist, which that's absolutely cool. So if this is your first time visiting us at Team Never Quit, surprise. I'm filling in for Dave Rutt Rutherford, who is still on vacation out in sunny Florida somewhere. Rutt, shout out. Miss Love you. Ya. All right. Hey, man. Uh I'm glad you're sitting in, in that chair. I mean, uh, Rut, well, Rut's on vacation because the guy we got going coming on today, Dewey Bozilla, he, man, yeah, I, I was at uh, at Cerebrum spinning when I when I watched this guy's documentary for the first time, and God dang, I never heard of him. I, I guess I had missed the ESPYS that year, but I, I watch his story and think about his story a lot. So for those of you who don't know who Dewey Bozilla is, 1983 is convicted of murder of an elderly lady and was was doing the time 
for a crime he didn't commit, man. And throughout all that, this guy became a professional boxer. He got his degree, became married. And two degrees. Two degrees, yeah. And throughout that time, man, I mean, it became apparent that obviously he didn't do this. So they were telling him, he's like, hey, if you just caught to doing this, man, if you sign this piece of paper, we'll let you out of here. Scott, I mean, just... He's like, no, I can't do that. So they sent him back in for some more time, and they just and it got to the point where it was like, sign this and walk out that door. Just tell everybody that you did this so we can close this case, man. You can walk out of here. And he still wouldn't do it. I was like at 20 years when they were like, hey, look, time served here. Yeah, just 26 years, man. So, I, just all good. Tell us that you did it, and you can walk out the door right now. And he's like, absolutely not. I caught the 30 for 30 on him. And just seeing where the guy's at right now and what, I mean, how he grew up. At nine years old, his daddy... Beat his mama to death while she was pregnant. Then he watched his brother die in a gang fight, stabbed to death. He had one brother that died of AIDS, and another one was shot to death before he was 18. And then everything else happened to him. It's the craziest thing, man. We had to. You think you'd have to go over to a war zone to hear stuff like that? I mean, if you didn't know, if you didn't know where that where he was from or who he was, man, you read that, you think that was in a different country. But it just goes, even being brought up in that, I mean, he still found the American dream, right? Lived his life. Starting from that, came all the way out and, and did exactly what he wanted to do. So, I mean, I, I, I'm i excited to have him on here. I, I tell you what, when I found out he was coming on, I was, I was fired up, man. I've been wanting to hear this guy's story from his voice for a long time. He's one of those guys that we talk about Wizard on the show, man. Their story is so incredible, man. We would get them on here and, and listen to it. I'd love to sit down in front of him and listen to it, talk it, man. Tell us all about it, but I'd actually feel more comfortable with sitting right here in front of us, instead of talking on the phone. This after this is the guy. This is the kind of story where you really just got to let you got to sit back on your heels and let this dude do all the talking. No, absolutely. I mean, not. I mean, one never quit story. <laughs> this is one of those entire life never quit stories. Absolutely, yeah. You're right, man. I mean, it's starting from nine years old all the way to where he's at now, standing on the stage, uh, getting an SP. There you go. Yeah, well, man. I mean, let's quit messing around, dude. Let's get him on here. You ready? Yeah, all right. Let's do it, man. All right. I've been eagerly awaiting this for a long time. Melanie, when when she would ask some of the people I'd like to have on, I always said his name, man. So for our, you know, kind of our early stages of being in, on on the podcast and doing this together, man, it couldn't be. I, I couldn't ask for a better guest. So yeah, I, I, absolutely. So bring him on right now, Mr. Uh, Dewey Bazella. How are you, Dewey? Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Thank you. Thanks Dewey. for having me on your show. Outstanding, sir. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I don't know if they told you this, but I'm I'm a huge. I mean, I I, I look up to you a lot. So it's uh, I learned about your story a while ago. It's inspirational, brother. I appreciate what you do, man. Thank you. Thank you a whole lot. <laughs> All right, Dewey. What we like to do when we get the show kicked off, we like to do our mad minute. We're going to go ahead and get the juices flowing. Uh, how we do that is we ask you a few questions. Mark's now go back and forth. You ask him as fast as you want to, as slow as you want to, the deep as you want, as deep as you want to, and we'll just kind of go from there. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right. What would you rather be if you could do anything? Would you rather be a pro athlete, a rock star, or an actor? Go. I would like to be a, uh, into the pros. Pro athlete? Yeah. I got my number one. I, I would have to be honest with myself. And that would be because, you know, when I was young, I always thought I was uh, Brooks Robinson when I played baseball. Well, baseball was my number one thing before I got into boxing. Boxing, I did out of anger and frustration. But once I got into it, I just fell right. in love with it. So I think I would love to be a pro athlete. 
But I talked to a lot of people, we, and we've had some guests on the show. You ask them, I mean, and they're the best at what they do. They chase their entire, I mean, just like you, you put your entire time into learning how to box. box and they, yeah. yeah, and you ask them, like, hey, if you could be anything, what would it be? And then they say something completely different. Just think how great they would have been at that. All right, what's your favorite superhero, Dewey? My, ooh, wow, that's a good one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Come on, you got to have that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who would I, who would I, I, I would have to say, uh, when I really think about it, there's quite a few. Why would you just want me to pick one? Pick two. You pick as <laughs> you want. <laughs> uh, well, grow, growing up, growing up, Superman was definitely number one. I, you know, if there anybody, you know. if anybody wanted to be Superman, that would be the other one. The other one would have been Spider Man. Ah. Oh, okay, so that's <laughs> the reason why. The reason why, why, yeah. <laughs> the reason why I would say Spider Man is because I. I had the the courage when I was a kid to climb up the side of walls and stuff like that, trying to act like I was Spider Man, jumping That's on trees. That's because my my, you know, yeah, my brother yeah. used to he had a little Barack, spi- my brother Barack. had a Spider Man outfit. <laughs> yeah, my brother had a little Spider Man pajama outfit, and he used to put grape jelly on his hands and his feet. I still have it, and try to climb up the walls. So what's up? you guys, <laughs> what's up? All right, go ahead. All right, this is what. All right, so all right, this one, this one's. I, I, I wanted to ask you this question, Dewey. All right, so from, from and we'll get into it uh, when we when we start talking about your story. But when when you finally got out, what was the one thing that when like technology wise that you were like, wow, th- this is off the charts cool mm. that you that you never knew existed? Uh, I, I would have to say picking up a phone. <laughs> uh, when I when I pick up the cell phone, I was talking to it like it was a regular phone, you know. I, I was always taking it going back and then put it to my ear, put it to the front of me, back, put it to my ear, you know, so it was like crazy. And then when I got out in the streets, it was like, Jesus, you know, I was in a whole nother planet, you know, Everybody I had to readjust. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, everything changed. Everything. I remember reading that about you when you, when you were saying it was like getting used to people again, getting used to what society was like. I can only imagine how crazy that was, especially in 2000, from 83 to 2009. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you ready, brother? First, yeah. first car. What was your first car? My first car was a Honda, Honda Accord. Probably still running. Honda Accords, like yeah. ever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. I got one for you. I've been excited to ask you this question, Dewey. If you could fight Rocky Balboa or Apollo Creed, which one would you choose? Um, uh, I would rather fight Apollo because Apollo's a stick-to-move fighter. And he's not going to be like Rocky. Rocky's a guy who keep coming and coming and coming and coming no matter how many times you knock him down. So if you're not in shape, you're going to get your ass kicked. There you <laughs> That's go. Simple. You, can tell he's a fighter. you can tell he's a fighter. He was sitting there, thought about that for a while. He's like, all right, how does he fight? How does he fight? Yeah, I got it. Definitely give him the details. <laughs> Absolutely. I about that one because with Apollo, you know, you can, you can fight Apollo, but Apollo's not like Rocky. Rocky's a continuing uh, like a machine, you know, he doesn't stop. He doesn't keep coming and keep coming according to how he fights. You know, you knock him down, he's going to get back up. You knock him down, you got to get back up. So if you ain't ready to fight like that, then don't fight. But if you're ready to fight like that, then take the easy way out. But if you ain't ready to fight like that, then yeah, it would be better to fight Apollo. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. All right, favorite movie character you like to play out in real life? Favorite movie character. I think that I would like to have played Albertino, you know? Yeah. 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 Is <laughs> Scarface? Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. But there's, there's, quite, but there's quite a few things that Albertino have done that was amazing. But that's one of them. That's one yeah. of the main characters. 
know. That seems to be everybody's go-to. That would be a, If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Not a superhero, a super but a superpower. Power? Yeah, superpower. It would be like the Incredible Hulk. The, the more, the more, the more you hit me, the boat, the stronger yeah, the I more get. Pissed, the, yeah, the more pissed he got, yeah, the bigger good. he got. All right, bro, that's a mad minute, man. Thanks for doing that. Let's just kind of get the everything loosened up and uh, get the mind flowing yeah. for your story. But uh, what we do, man, is we we bring people in. We hear these stories about people around the world, man, and what they've accomplished and what they've done from from what might seem trivial to some people uh, is is a means a great deal to a, to somebody else. So the people who listen to our podcast, man, they're just kind of looking for hope. They're, you know, they're looking for that little something that we give them to uh, set them on their way. And the, the best way to do that is to take everybody's hardest story, their never quit story, the, the thing that they, that, that pushed them the hardest to make them the person that they are today. And I, man, I tell you, I can't think of anybody else better to do that than you. Anytime anybody asks me, anytime I'm somewhere where I need to get motivated or I, I'm in a tough spot or you know, it's kind of like I, you, you were one of the guys that pops into my head. So uh, without no, further ado, sure. man, I, I, if you would, man, would you just tell our listeners about your, your one of your greatest never quit stories? I think that my, my, what my greatest never quit story was uh, learning how to be uh, a better person with myself so I can learn how to be a better person with other people. Um, and, that, and that was because of uh, being sentenced 20 years of life for a crime I didn't commit. I learned the true value of other people in the struggle and conflict. So it was like um, a true learning experience of who I was as a human being, a true learning experience of how I had learned how to value other people as well as myself. So, uh, you know, being sentenced 20 years to life for a crime you didn't commit was, you know, was to me was like a mind blowing experience because what it did, it, it helped me to uh, see life from a different perspective because I knew I actually had learned what it was like to have what they call a number put on you for the rest of your life. You know, with my number was 8480172. And by commitment of the state, um, the other number was 9999999.9 which means life, and they didn't have to let me go. So I had to do 20 years before I could even think about going home. And then after that, they don't have to let me go. So every two years after my first parole board, um, you know, they could, they could hit me for the rest of my life, and I can't do a damn thing about it. So I think uh, what, what made me understand that was the, the value of, of – of, of really looking at life because I, I went through four parole boards and each time I got hit with two more years added onto my life. So I think that, you know, there was, mm -hmm. there, there are numbers of different things that made me truly understand uh, what it was like to, 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 to never quit. But um, that's one of them. That's one of them. And that came at the end of all the things that I went through before that. But there's a lot of things before that that helped me to realize, you know, uh, uh, what life was really all about, you know, dealing with, you know, peer pressure, dealing with, you know, fear, dealing with commitment, you know, just dealing with the different things of everyday life, you know, and learning how to be persistent in it, learning how to have persistence, you know. But, and, and not only that, I think that, you know, along the way, forgiveness, 
you know, I had to first learn how to forgive myself. And the reason why I say that is because of this. Um, if I never would have been hanging out in the streets, if I never would have been around the crowd that I was with, you know, that would, this would have never happened to me. But because of my activities is what got me involved in this in the first place, you know? Um, mm. And what, what it did, it, it, it helped me to understand, you know, first doing, you know, you got to learn how to take responsibility for yourself. And then after you take responsibility for yourself, then you got to learn how to forgive yourself. And once you learn how to forgive yourself, then you can learn how to forgive others. You know, because it's, 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 it was a task yeah. for me I had to go through to make me truly understand the value of life and the value of others. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I, look, at that age when when you were talking about if, if you don't have a role model or somebody, especially as a, as a young boy, right? If you don't have somebody that you can look up to and kind of that will mentor you, that you can follow – at that age, we're—I mean—we're kind of pack animals. So, we're, especially if there's danger involved, you're going to find somebody who else is in danger. When you buddy up, man, there's a there's a brotherhood that's formed. There's a bond that's formed when when like when you're getting hurt all the time, and then while you have that person next to you and you're not getting hurt, man, that's that's kind of one of those deals where all right, this is my friend. Even if you're going down a bad road, most everybody <laughs> who does that knows they're going down a bad road. We're going together, right? And I, my brother and I talk about that a lot, man. Our friends from from childhood we're still friends with and it it ultimately just it can push you in a certain direction man but i mean you got i would imagine you had a lot of hate in in your heart when you first went in because i i mean we all have that hate and what it kind of depends on where you center it right if you center it in your heart to make yourself better and use all that as an energy to push forward then it it does a productive thing man and if you put it somewhere else it can obviously do a negative thing when did you I mean, it's hard to get rid of hate when you're a kid, especially if it keeps piling on you. Then they send you away for something you didn't do. Uh, let me tell you something. I, the reason I look to you for guidance, man, because I, I would become the animal in there. And I, I don't, I, I mean, I say that pretty confidently that if, that if I went in there, man, I would, especially for something I didn't do, I think I'd be pretty damn bitter, man. And I, the, the point yeah. that you changed that around and didn't cop to something gives you a state of integrity that I have never achieved. And I was just, Curious as to when that started. Okay. You know, let me be honest with you. You know, yeah, yeah. Keyword, I was anger, angry and bitter and very, very frustrated. I didn't trust nobody, you know. And um, because the guy who did it to me, you know, I knew him. And he was, you know, we, we knew each other and he made a deal to get out of jail, you know, and testified against me. So that was my breaking point, you know, of trust, you know, towards people. Sure. You know, it took me a long time. It took me a long time to change back into you know trusting people again. You know, you know. But I put you like this: I wasn't, uh, I wasn't a goody goody when I first walked in. You know, I didn't take no crap. You know, yes, I did walk around bitter and angry. In fact, I was worse out. I was worse in prison than I was out in the street. You know, um, I walked around. All, I, let me give it to you straight. Life didn't mean anything to me. In fact, I was looking for a way out, and you know, and, and I, I was too much of a coward to try to kill myself. So I was doing all the wrong activities. But the thing about it, I was I was going to fight. You know, I was going to fight even if a dude came to me with a knife. I didn't care who he was. You know, and that was my way out. But the thing was, I was going to fight. So, um, I it, it, the easy way out was it didn't work. You know, I was walking around. I was getting high. I was smoking. I was I was worse than and I was worse. I was just getting worse. And so one day, I ran into a guy, an older, wiser brother by the name of Sharif. And he talked to me and he said something to me. 
And um, he came up to me and he said, yo, man, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, yeah, sure. He said, man, yo, man, you fronting. You know, I said, what do you mean I'm fronting? You know what I mean? Go ahead, man. I ain't trying to hear that. And fronting inside the penitentiary means, you know, you're acting other than yourself. I see something that you don't see. Right. And so I'm calling you out. I'm, you know, let me see if you really can. Let me see who you really are. Let me see. But he wasn't saying it in the way that he wanted to fight me. He was saying it in a way to wake me up. He was saying it in a way like, yo, I see right through you, man. This ain't who you are, you know. So next time I see you, I'm on the bill, which I want to talk to you, you know. I said, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. And right behind that, it wasn't even, even two minutes. I got keep lock. Keep lock means uh, I disobeyed a direct order. Officer told me to do something. I'm man, I ain't trying to hear that. You know, I got life, man. Blah, blah, blah. He said, well, you keep lock. But this keep lock was something special because this keep lock, after talking to him, something happened. I got inside myself. And when I got inside myself, a guy who was supposed to be my friend was walking by. And he walked by and asked for a cigarette. And I asked him for the cigarette. He said, he don't have it. I said, yo, why is he going to lie to me? It's right there in your pocket. I'm looking right at you, man. For real, this is how you going to treat me? You know I'm getting my You know how I am. And so he gave it to me, but it was the way he gave it to me. And the way he gave it to me, it was like, yo, like here. Yeah. And and I'm a prideful guy, very, very prideful. I took the cigarette because I ain't had it. I couldn't go around and I couldn't hustle and I couldn't get it the way I wanted to. Here's the catch. I had wine underneath my bed, homemade wine that, that I was making. I had reefer on top of my daggone desk like I'm out in the streets, right? And the only thing I didn't have was a cigarette. And I said, all of a sudden, something knocked the hell out of me. It just came like it was like a metamorphosis. This blasted me. Everything hit me all at one time. Yo, you know, my mother, losing my mother when I was, you know, I was a kid. Uh, my brother Ernie got hard through the back. My brother Tony, you know, he got shot in the head. Mm-hmm. You know, my brother Leah, you know, every, every I mean, I mean I'm, I, all this just knocked the hell out of me. Everything just hit me. And then the, the, the major thing that hit me, and I looked at the cigarette, and I said, look at you, man. Here you're supposed to be a boxer, a damn boxer. And you let this thing dominate you? You practically begged this guy for it. I said, look at you. Just look at you. You became a savage, man. You became everything that they said that you were, man. You got recoil on top of your desk. If they catch you with that, that's at least six months to a year in a hole, which is called a special housing unit, which they call a shoot. Yep. That means 24 hours, 24 hours a day, I'm in my cell with one hour rent. Mm-hmm. And I said, yo, you know, and, and, and I said, look at you, man. I said, look at you. And I took the cigarette and, and I looked up to heaven and I said, I'm done, man. I said, I'm done. I'm, I'm done with this. So the first thing I did is I got rid of all the wine right there on the spot. I got rid of it. They thought I bugged out. I got a I got a question. I got a question sure. for you. So I I was just thinking about this the whole time you were talking about it, not to go back in it, but man, when you're a kid and ultimately if you get if you're a kid who doesn't have that anger, that aggression and you're born into a situation into a place where all where anger and chaos are thriving, you have to survive somehow. So you kind of adapt that, but it's not natural to you, right? And I think that kids who it, being aggressive like that, if it's unnatural to them, that they become the worst, right? They really take on to that and say, you know what, I got, I'm going to be even worse than what they think that I am because I had to survive. Right. And then it take until you get to a point to where you were at, man, and you're kind of sitting there looking like, man, this isn't what I really am. 
I was just doing that to survive. I was doing that because everybody expected me to do it. And that was another thing about you when, when you said that, hey, look, I was no angel when I went in. Man, most of us aren't angels, all right? We can make some mistakes. And and yeah, we'll, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll pay for them, man. But the fact that you didn't pony up to, to something that you didn't do, I mean, that, yeah. that's one thing in itself. But to, to figure it out in that place, because once you, oh, I know what I was going to say about that. When your boys turn on you, so when your life falls apart, that's one thing. But betrayal will cut your ass to the freaking bone, man. So if that all you're supposed to have <laughs> is, your, is your family, is your boys, and they're turning your back on you, man. Why not embrace that rage yeah. and turn into something that you're not permanently? And for you to be able to see that, yeah. you know, even as what they consider us to be, I mean, we do some bad stuff. Yeah, all right, man. I mean, in the situations that you're in, sometimes you got to adapt. You got to overcome. But the fact that you realize that's not what you right. were in that place, man, speaks volumes. So I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just, yeah, I would say back to, back to that transition that I was going to ask you, is that like, was it a, I mean, obviously, spiritual side also have any effect on that? Or was that just you saying, hey, look, I'm going to make somebody else out of myself right now, here and now, cold turkey, and got rid of everything? I mean, was it like an over- overnight thing for you, or did it kind of, yeah. how'd that work? Well, let me tell you, I stopped. I quit. I can tell you the date. It was September 27th, 1985. That's how, that's, how much I, that's how much I remember what I did, because I just, I, man, this is not me, man. This is not who I am. And when I woke up, when I woke up out of that nightmare, you know, after being in prison close to two years, I said, listen, and the question was, was this, this is what really made me change. I said, dude, they have to let you out right now. They let you out right this very moment. They found out you didn't do this. What would your life be like, man? What do you have off society? You know what my question, the answer was? I would be a bum. I had no trade. I had no education. I had nothing. And I said, oh, hell no. This can't, this can't, this, no, I can't live like this. No, no, I can't, no, I'm not gonna, I'm, I refuse to be a bum. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna do anything, if I'm gonna die, let me die with some damn honor. Even if it's in prison, let me die with some honor. Let me be able to say to myself, I did something with my life. Instead of walking around mad and angry. If that's not gonna get me anywhere. Absolutely. That's not gonna do a damn thing for me. Sharif was right. I was front. I said, oh, hell, I can't live like this. But from that day forward, I never looked back. First thing I went and did, I got a GED. Second thing I went and I did is I went and I got a pilot certificate in law. And after, after that, I did everything possible to make sure that my life was going to be a better situation. You know, I was involved in every different type of program you could think of. You know, and I never looked back. Is, is that one of those deals with, where they're talking about doing the Doing the time, don't let the time do you. I mean, you live that one yeah. to the letter. Yeah, but, but you know, the whole thing was I got around positive people. And by me being saying, around positive people. How, how did you get all that done? I mean, I can only imagine if you flipped the switch overnight, the second you walked out of that cell, the rest of the jail's got to think, okay, here here comes Dewey again. What are we going to yeah, expect? I, that's great. That's a great question because you're in a place that is actually – all chaos and madness and you have to be that evil person man and, and everyone around you is telling you that what what did you what steps did you what what'd you tell yourself because that's what that's what people need to hear i imagine there's people in prison right now who are like hey man how the hell did you do that i mean i, I get you did it i need to know how you did it and that's well but the first thing i went that I, I said to myself is you know what do i have to offer to society i had to really think of i had to really look at my life you know I said, you're already locked up, man. I mean, really? You ain't, you know, 
What do you want to do? At least out in the streets, you were doing something. At least you was going to school. You was doing something. When you turned your life around, you got away from all that crap. At least you were doing something. And here you're do not doing anything. Really? Come on, man. You got, you, got to do, you got to be better than this. You know? And so that's what I did. I just made a choice. And don't get me wrong, my best friend, Jose, you know, he got mad at me. He said, yo, man, what, what, what? He said, let's go get high. I said, nah, man, I, I don't want to do that no more. He said, what? I said, man, I'm done with that, man. And he wanted to fight me because it's like a betrayal. And I said, yo, man, listen, man, whatever, man. If you want to yeah. fight, we can go at it, man. You know, but I'm telling you, you know, right now, man, I'm not getting back into that. Oh, you be back. You be back. I ain't even worried about it. You be back. He didn't know me. Once he seen me, he said, yo, me dead serious, huh? First thing I went that did, I started working out again. The second thing I did is I went and I joined the boxing chamber. And then after I joined the boxing chamber, I became Sing heavyweight champion. I got in New York Daily News. I, uh, people from all the way from England came and watched me, you know, and had me on a TV station and all that. So it was like I knew I had the potential. I knew I had everything. I just couldn't get my freedom. And so for the next five and a half years, I did everything that I was supposed to do. You know, I got stayed out of trouble. I got involved in every different type of program you can make. I got 32 certificates, and I picked up two trades. You know? And well, I was just, every, every, yeah, time was, you, every time you had to go back up for parole, there was opportunity for to, for you to get out. I mean, having a positive attitude, getting back into boxing, educating yourself, man. But I tell you what, I, I, I give you mad props because when the parole board would come back in or, or you had to go back to trial and then they put you back in that hellhole, I it's got, like they're yeah. telling you, you're still, no matter what, did you do that? No matter what you're doing, you're in here educating yourself, you're, you're becoming a boxer, you got a trade and all this stuff like that. And every time you go to show somebody that, they're just like, no, sorry. Yeah. God dang. That. Here's, here's the catch. Here's the catch. I went to my, my, which was my second parole board. My second parole board, I had 52 certificates, my bachelor's, bachelor's degree, bachelor's of science, right? Dealing with social studies, then I, I had a master's degree. New York Theological Seminary and Professional Studies dealing with religion, and they still gave me two more years. Yeah, so, dang, man. I mean, walk, yeah, walking out of the, walking out of the room after seeing that stamp hit the paperwork, you just got. I mean, I hate to ask this, but were you expecting that to happen? Or I know you. I mean, after reading everything, you had to. I know you were walking in there like, all right, this may be my chance. But I mean, there had did it ever come a time? I was like, oh, like I. I ain't going to let you bastards keep me down because I know what you're fixing to do. Absolutely. I had to make a serious, serious decision. And the decision was, after I got hit, I said, do it. You know, can you live with this decision for the rest of your life? Because you got a chance of going home. And I said to myself, yes. So I went to the parole board and I told the parole board, if you're waiting for me to tell you I did, then I'm going to die in prison. But it's not going to happen. Hey, I don't know if we got, can you explain what, what uh, just how exact, I think we've kind of talked over that, man. And we got so excited about having you on. So you were put, you were put in prison for a murder that you did not commit. Right. And then, and then throughout your time in prison, there was, it, it kind of came out that you didn't do it. And everyone knew that. And they actually told you, if you just sign this piece of paper and admit to it, you can walk out of here a free man. And you still didn't do it. Okay. Right? Nah, let me, let me explain it. Um, in 1983, I was sentenced 20 years to life uh, for a crime I did not commit. Uh, close to five and a half years later, close to six, uh, I went to a new trial. In 1989, uh, close to 1990, right at the end of 1990. 1990, I went to trial. 
And when I went to trial, uh, 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 I got re-sentenced 20 years of life. But before I got re-sentenced 20 years of life, what happened was that the case was so bad that the guy who testified against me the first time, he got up on the stand and said, listen, I lied. I want you to know I committed perjury. And I committed perjury because I wanted to get my brother out of jail. Now that I got my brother out of jail, I want you to know that I committed perjury. Not only that, a girl by the name of Malin Dexter South got up on the stand he said, listen, that man did not commit the murder. My old man told me he committed the murder. And he called up a testimony. He told them they went inside the window. And as part of a brutal investigation, they went and they found the man's fingerprint. The catch was, was that they were locked up for the same type of murder I was locked up for six months after the crime that I was, that, that was committed. Miss J. M. Crash was being murdered. The King sisters, one of the King sisters were murdered, and they were sentenced also to 20 years to life for a crime they didn't commit, uh, for a crime that they committed. I, on my case, I was for a crime I did not commit. They were also in Sing Sing State Penitentiary with me for over five and a half years. So I had to live with them after I got sentenced the second yeah. time. Yeah, but before I, I got um... sentenced, it, 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 it just gets worse. And before, <laughs> oh, I, and before I got sentenced, here's the catch. Before I got sentenced, the jury was ready to come inside the jury room, and the judge, the judge said when the trial was to be put, he said, listen, um, they should be back within the hour of a non-guilty verdict for Mr. Bozellan. He should be out of here. Right? Because there was, there's nothing inside of this case to prove it. He didn't. I don't even know why they even brought this case before us. So the prosecutor, district attorney, he came on and he offered a deal. He said, listen to me, Mr. Bozellan, give me 7 to 14. You got six and a half years in, and you have uh, in six months you have the possibility of going home and seeing a parole board with seven years of parole. You know, I didn't take the deal. No. Then they came back again. They said it's manslaughter. We get what we call uh, manslaughter. Manslaughter. All you got to do is cop out, and you can go home right now. But you got to admit to the guilt of the crime. No. And came back with a third deal. Third deal was, and it was. A very, 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 very rare deal. I say it with emphasis. And this will give you what we call a scenario alpha plea. All you got to do is sign the piece of paper right now and then walk out the courtroom. You ain't got to tell us nothing. No. Jury comes back in and find me guilty. Yeah, what? I, well, I thought they had to How prove the that, you, that you did it, not that you didn't do it. That's how it's supposed to go, right? I mean, that day. I'm not laughing at you, man. That, this, 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 it's so ridiculous that I, I, I can't believe it. Yeah. Go ahead, man. Yeah. I'm sorry. Don't worry about it. I, and, and I didn't take the deal. So, because of me not taking the deal, for the next 19 years, I was fighting, I was fighting for my life. That was back in 1990. So, from the year 2000, uh, from 1990 all the way to 2009, October 28th, I fought for my freedom. And I went through everything that you could think of to try to prove my innocence. I even went through four parole boards. And each time I went to the parole board, parole board means you got to admit guilt. You got to show remorse. And if you don't go in there and show remorse and admit guilt, they're going to give you two more years added on in your sentence. So I, every time I went to the parole board, they gave me two more years added on in my sentence. That's why it almost went 27 years. Was there was there anybody in there saying, "God Almighty, we yeah, it's obvious you didn't do this," or it was like, was it the whole world against Dewey? See, that seems what it seems like it's like right now. Yeah. I didn't look at it like that. 
the whole world against doing. I didn't look at it like that. I looked at it. I looked at it like I had to take responsibility for my life. And how I took responsibility for my life was, mm-hmm. Dewey, if you wasn't hanging out, this would have never happened to you. Yes, you did not commit the crime. However, because of you hanging out and be around these, these people is what got you involved in this. You've got to take responsibility for that. If you don't have to take responsibility for the crime that you didn't do, never be around people that you can't trust and never be around people that that's, good, that's not about what you're about. That's your fault. Take Absolutely. responsibility for that. And that's exactly what I did. And that's how I learned. That's how I learned how to get over my, my hurt and my pain. Man, so you channeled all that into a that, the greatest part about this, man, when you came out, I want to hear about this, the, the, the boxing, I mean, the professional boxing. So you, you trained your whole, the whole time you were in training to become a professional boxer, you get out and, and become a professional boxer and actually have a fight. And did the president call yeah. you in that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that, was, that, was, that was pretty cool. Talk about getting your, 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 uh, your pro card. Yeah. What happened was in, in, in 2011, uh, after I won the off the coverage award. Uh, Congratulations on that. By yeah. The way. Big time. Thank you, man. Uh, for courage. Uh, I would, I, when I, I gave my speech, I said, I, I would just like to know what it felt like to be a pro. And, um, then I went out to Los Angeles, California. They took a test on me. Now, let me break this down to you because when people talk about quitting, when people keep talking about never quitting, I was that guy. Once I make up my mind on something, I, I'm determined to get the job done. I'm determined. I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning from, 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 from living up in what we call Dutchess County area up in Newburgh towards Poughkeepsie, uh, uh, New York. So we go all the way down to New York, get all the way down to New York, take the plane, get out to Los Angeles, California. I didn't get no sleep. I get out to Los Angeles, California. From 3 o'clock to 7 o'clock, I'm taking nothing but tests. Nothing but tests. And then after, after all that, a 17-hour day, they put me out in the ring with a, with, a, with a heavyweight. And I'm a cruiserweight. This guy got me by, by at least 25 pounds. And then before I even get out in the ring with him, he had me do five minutes of jump rope, five minutes on the speed bag, five minutes on the mitt, and then five minutes on the heavy bag, Mm. right? And the heavyweight said, you're going to make him do all that work, and then he got to come on and he got to spar with me. Don't you worry about it. I said, okay. (laughs) I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. I, I did it. I did it. And here's the catch. In the third round, in the third round, I shook him. Almost, almost knocked him down, almost knocked him on his butt. I shook him. So then they tell me a week later, I'm sitting at the house, they tell me a week later I didn't, I didn't pass the test. Yeah, let me tell you something. I went off. And it wasn't, it wasn't the nights off. Neither. I went off. I didn't know. If, you, if he did, did half the things I did, I probably would have knocked him out. And I said, yeah. yo, he got 10 pro fights. I got no pro fights. Are you serious? You can't be serious. So Bernard Hopkins and, and Oscar B. LaHoya heard about it. And then Bernard Hopkins asked me to come out to Philadelphia to train with him. And Danny, Danny Davis took over, you know, uh, with Ricky, with Rick and yeah. Moses and them. They helped me to train for the fight. And so as I'm training for the fight, I took another test. This time I passed. But this time when I passed, it was something different. Because I said, I said I'm not losing. And right, right behind that, right, as we, right the night before the fight, President Barack Obama gave me a call. 
So when President Barack nice. gave me a call, I was like, I was like, wow. Of all people, you want to call me? Are you serious, man? What? What is, what is he, 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 now you know he's going to be watching your fight, too. Your first pro fight, you got the president watching. What'd he say? <laughs> I got to know what he said. <laughs> yeah, that, that, you know what it said to me? I said, it said to me, because I wasn't, let me, let me explain something. I just wasn't fighting for Dewey. And this is the God on the truth. I was fighting for everybody who said that you can't do it. There you go. That, 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 that's what I mean by not quitting. I was saying, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I got to do to win the fight. I, I you know I that you know he, I'm not even worried about it. He can't he 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 did nowhere near what I've been through. So I'm not even worried about a fight. To forget about it. I'm not even worried about it. But when I got the call from the president, it was like, yeah, now it's a whole different level now. Now I can't lose because the president he uh, uh he wanted to be a pro basketball player. Look what he became, president of the United States. Yep. So it was like. Now, not only, and here's the catch. Oh, I was 52 years old when I did the fight. And this guy was 30 years old. So I got, he, he got, you know, I got about 22 years. He's got three, he's got three pro fights and he got 12 mixed martial arts fights. Guess what do we got? Do we got no pro fights? That's pro fights to my, my zero. And I still beat him. And I almost had him knocked out in the fourth round. They gave me the fight by a nine-earth decision. So I'm saying to myself, I'm saying to myself, the youngest brother out there, no matter what color he is, or the youngest sister out there, no matter what color they are, so the oldest person out there that says, yo, I'm giving up, please stop it. You know, it's not even worth it. Life is more beautiful than that. You gotta make a choice. You have a decision to make. And the decision is, what is it that you want out of life and what is it that you want to do? And whatever it is that's important to you, and you're willing to make that sacrifice, you can do it. You can really do it. But you've got to make up your mind, and you can't blame other people for your fault. And you can't blame other people for whatever has happened to you. Because once you do that, then you defeat the purpose of what you were really here for. I think God had this plan for me. You know, whether I liked it or not, he had this plan for me. He said, you built for it, and this is what you got to do, because if you don't do it, and I'm going to take you out of here. You know, so he, you know, he said, you built for this. You know, everybody's built for a certain thing. It's like y'all on the radio show. This is what you made for. Everybody got something they made for. And here's the catch. In your show, you help other people. So it's a blessing. It's a blessing. So that's what God did to me. God said, you know what? I'm not done with you. You're going this way. I'm going to slow your behind down. And I'm going to make you go this way. This way you can truly understand the value of life. And, 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 and then you can really get something back to society. That's what that was really all about. I mean, you you nailed it. Once you find your per, your purpose, right? So everybody out there, we all live in this in the same world. We all try to occupy the same space and achieve the same goals because, I guess, because of the recognition, right, from from the people that we live around. But in order to do that, to truly succeed, man, you have to have your, your purpose and know what that is. Not somebody else's and not what they think of you, but what yours is. And, once, and I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, some, it takes some of us to go all the way to the bottom, right? To, to, get, yeah. into prison, to get into prison, for, for that to happen, to lock that into your head that you found what you needed to do, man. And once, once you understand that, then everything else is just kind of training for it. And, and you pushing yourself out of that... How, 52, right? When you, when you got, when you had your first pro. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was hoping, 
Most people are looking to do the last, last thing at 52, oh. right? <laughs> I, I had fun, man. I had fun. It didn't even bother me. You know, once once I knew I could take a punch, that was it. I had fun after that. It didn't even bother me. The fight was easy after that. The fight oh, was I, easy. I, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, all everything that you had been through, man, at age 52, which goes to show you, man, you're never too old or too young to start anything, especially if you realize it's what you're supposed to be doing. So... Just the, right. I mean, what you had to feel. I bet that walk was heavy, right? They talk about walking into the fight. I mean, you know, you're going into a fight. The the anxiety, the pressure, the the adrenaline that goes into that, man. That's everything that had ever happened. To you, you know, coming in behind you to to get you through that, man. I bet that fight was just epic. I mean, you're literally in that ring. I, I don't want to speak for you, but fighting for for just like, well, you did say that, right? Every, do you, yeah. Do you even remember it? Everything <laughs> that everything that you had been through and everything that that. Good and bad. Just came out right in there, man. And, and to win that thing, bro, good, man. Did you have to watch the fight to, to, to watch it over and over again? Do it? To kind of just like, oh, I remember that now. Or did or was it just kind of like, <laughs> was it real at the time? Or were you just overly overcome by excitement? I'm going to put you like this. I lost the first round. The reason why I lost the first round, I was in the cloud. And then when I, after, he hit me with right, after he hit me with the right hand on my cheekbone, it was easy, man. It was just easy. I mean, these, it was like my wake-up call because I was like, is this really happening? Yeah. No. Yeah. Are you right really doing this? And then I realized, and then I realized, and I realized after I got hit with that punch, I, and I took his best punch, by the way. After, after, after that, I was like, oh, you in the fight, man. What are you doing, man? <laughs> Snap out of this. <laughs> you know, and that's how our lives are like. You know, our lives are like that, too. You know, our lives pass by like that because, you know, we go into a daze and before you know, you know, you're stuck in the room. And then when you're stuck, it's like, you know, days go by, then weeks go by, then months go by. And then a year went by and a few more years went by and you're still in that rump because, you know, you didn't snap yourself out of it. And that's what I, I say that because I say that because we all have a choice. We all have a choice, and a lot of people don't. Know how to, a lot of people don't know how to make that choice. I mean, you, I, I, I gotta imagine after everything you've been through, dude. I mean, your life, you, you probably, I mean, you don't probably get worked up about anything anymore, do you? I mean, as far as like, you know, the uh, my cell phone battery's down, I ran out of gas. Somebody's like, just things, everything. Th- those tough times generate those values that get you through everything. Just because you lived in a hard time does, or, or been through a hard time, doesn't mean you have to live in it. It's what. It lets you know what right. you can take. I mean, and, and what you can take is is equal in your physical realm and in, in, in your, your your mental capabilities as well, man. And that's what makes you that's what makes you unique and do, and have the abilities that you have all the way till I don't know, man, till till guys like us die, right? I mean, there is no end goal. It's it's just what I what we want to do, what we want to achieve because that's our our purpose in life, man. And that you coming out in that second round, you know, tap dancing and. That sing, sing, sting. Yeah, I, I, I was fired up, man. I, I'm yeah. breaking crap. I, I, I hope you're a life coach nowadays, Dewey. That's got to be what you're doing. Exactly. Hey, Mark and I were talking about this. Like, man, this guy, he has got to be, he needs to be out spreading the gospel, spreading the word. I mean, like, just for our listeners right now, you got? Just, I want three points. I just want three pieces of advice from Dewey from start to finish. Like, hey, all right, Dewey. Lay it down on the line for me, brother. Right now, I want to give me, give us and some listeners some advice on life. Through everything that you've learned, looking back, something like if I had, I got, I got two sons, and after after talking mm. to you and hearing your story, I know that I mean. All right, I I I I I, I speak on numerous of things, but I would I would like to speak on the certain things that I, I that that made me 
understand the body of life and in between that and break it down. The first thing the first thing we all have to deal with in life is fear. What would you do if you didn't have fear? Because fear kills dreams. Fear takes away hope. Fear takes away everything that is important to that person within their life. Because if a person has fear or is being tormented or is being uh, uh, talked to in the wrong way or is, is being downgraded, male or female, you know, um, it takes away things from them because they, 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 they don't know how to really, really deal with life yet or see life yet, you know. And what happens is, is that fear takes away everything that they wanted to do. So what mm-hmm. would you do if you didn't have fear? And after you have your fear, you got to do what? You got to make a commitment. A commitment to what? That which is important to you. What is it that's important to you that's going to make you a better person? What is it that's going to make you understand your morals, your obligations, your responsibility as a human being? And then after you deal with your, your commitment, you got to be what? You got to be able to say to yourself, I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to be persistent in my commitment to that which is important to me. Yeah. Everything falls Absolutely. on you. At the end of the day, what is it that you have done that you can actually say that, that you're happy about? So you deal with your fear, you deal with your commitment, you deal with your persistence. And then you deal with number four. Number four is one of the most hardest things for all of us to deal with as human beings. Some of us don't know how to forgive. Forgiveness. Yeah. We don't know how to just we don't know how to just actually say, yo, man, I'm sorry. Yo, I apologize. Yo, I didn't mean that. They hold on to that bitterness even to their grave if they have to before they tell that one person. And each and every time they see that one person, male or female, it ruins their day. Oh, here come this son of a gun. Oh, here come yeah. this beat yeah. or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and and then you and you every time you see that person, your day could have been beautiful. But every time you see that person, your day get ruined. What you gotta do is say to yourself, you know what, man? I'm going to let this go because I don't, I'm tired of walking around mad and angry and frustrated every time I see this person. My day was doing, going along great until I seen this person. Oh, hell no. You don't control my atmosphere like that. You don't control my life like that. So you know what? I'm going to forgive you so I can move on with my life. If you don't want to forgive me, that's your problem. That's not my problem because now I can walk around and I can have some peace in my mind. See? So that's number four. Number four. Number five, you know, I tell a person, how determined are you? What is your determination? How determined are you? Right. And inside, inside of that determination, there's plenty of things to tell you who you are as a human being. What, are you, what, 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 what type of, what type of uh, sacrifices are you willing to make to get to where you need to be? Determine everything about you as a human being. Yeah. So, so when you deal with your fear, you deal with your commitment, you deal with your persistence, you deal with your forgiveness, you deal with your determination. Now, after you deal with all these five different things, you've got to deal with hope and faith. Hope and faith in what? That which you believe in. That which is important to you. You know, a lot of people say they understand life. I say that these are the five major things that we deal with every day of our life, whether we like it or not. Love, peace, happiness, joy, and laughter. Love, peace, happiness, joy, and laughter. Without these five things, your life is going to be yes, miserable. Right. Truth. Absolutely. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So well if you said. have hope and faith, you see, I, I said, 
So with hope and faith, you can have love, peace, happiness, joy, and laughter. But you got to learn all these things through the process of whatever it is that's bothering you. You got to let it go, right? And then number and number seven. Number seven, from the time that we're born to the time that we die, whether we like it or not, we have to deal with this. From the time that we enter outside of the womb of a woman, as soon as we come out, we got to deal with struggle and conflict. Amen. We, whether we like it or not. So... From the time you have, you have to find a way to survive, you have to find a way to take care of yourself, and then you have to find a way to make your life a better place to live in joy, whether you like it or not. And inside of them things, you have to deal with, once again, your morals, obligations, responsibility, and discipline as a human being. And there's no way around it. So you deal with your fear, you deal with your commitment, you deal with your persistence, you deal with your forgiveness, you deal with your determination, deal with your hope and your faith, and then you deal with your struggle and conflict. And inside of them things, you find out who you really are so, as a human being. And you find out who you are as a, really, as a human being, then you can have that, the five other things. Love, peace, happiness, joy, and laughter. But none of these things are just going to be given to you. You've got to understand that being around positive people. And if you're not around people that's not about what you're about, then don't get mad at the world. Why you're going through what you're going through? Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely got to take it on to your own responsibilities. It's one of those things. You, I mean, you laid that. That's exactly right. What what you said. Those five things, man. I think every person, whether you, I mean, I think they possess them, and whether you control them or you acknowledge them, is a different thing. And everybody has their own reality, right? And if they learn how to control their fear, commitment, their persistence. That enables them to forgive, but the, the, here's the trick, man, is, is you have to be able to have your reality exist with everybody else when they're going through the fear, commitment, persistence, and forgiveness thing, right? And, and when they're trying to, trying to be happy, yeah. maybe something you're doing is getting in the way of that, and that's where conflict comes, right? So in order to control the conflict, you have to control yourself. I don't know if that's going to make sense. You control yourself with just the things that you just lined out there, and once you master those, not even master, right? Just get good enough at it to control it when other people yeah. are standing around and they waver from the five pillars that you just laid out, man. And it, it really is because all those lead up to the one, the, the hope and faith. I mean, the hope and faith in yourself and faith in everybody else. Man, we're, just, we're all in here together, right? We got to try and figure this out. And those that can't get those two or three of those or all seven of them together, man, that's where that pressure comes from. And, and, and those are the people that you see off to the side, right? And, and Man, you yes. you impressed the hell out of me, brother, and I I'm just honored to have you on here. Thanks thanks a million. Yeah, I was gonna say, please it's tell no, me that that's you. please tell me that that's in your autobiography coming out standing tall that, that you laid all that in there. I mean, what oh, are you doing yeah. now? Are you, are you taking all this knowledge and everything that you've accomplished in, in in your lifetime, man? Because look at you now. I mean, it's, you talk about Dewey Bazell. It's like God, man, that guy has accomplished everything. You you kind of forget the fact that. No, you don't forget it, man, but you, 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 you look at it differently, right? The prison time that you did molded you into a, a oh, yeah. human being. And, I, man, I, yeah, what are you doing now? Sorry. Yeah, really? absolutely. What are you doing? Like what, yeah, what's, what's, go, what's going on in Dewey's life right now? Because you've absolutely already accomplished more in nine years than most people do in a lifetime. But w what do you got on your plate right now? What's Dewey up to? Right now, at one time, at one time I was training people with boxing. Uh, I moved on from that, you know, because my mind ain't, my mind ain't into it. I, I I love it too much, you know. To, uh, you know, because once you once that's the reason why a lot of boxers they just can't yeah. stop fighting. They can't stop fighting because you know it's like it's just in the drilling, it's just mm -hmm. in the blood. 
So I left the sport for a little while. Right now what I'm doing is I'm involved in a, a movie called My City. I got the lead role, and uh, I'm, I'm involved really? in the acting. And uh, the movie... That's awesome. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm involved in acting, and I got the lead role, yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we're, we're almost done with the movie. It's going to be it's gonna be done within the next probably month and a half. And, uh, you know, we'll, I'm going to see I'll what happens you, hey, you know what? You, but, you know what movie you should do? There's this guy, Dewey Bozella. You should play him. And it'd be a great movie. <laughs> You're a great for, great for the part. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I got off tangent again. Yes, sir. Keep going, brother. You got a new movie coming out where you're the lead. And tell us about your book. Well, I got a, uh, my book is uh, about my, my life story, my, you know, about the things that I went through in my life. And uh, you know, it tells you who I really am as a person, you know. I just want people to know, man, that, you know, uh, life is what you make it, you know. When, when, it, when, it, when the chips are down and it seems like, you know, you got nowhere else to go, you know, and, 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 it, and it, you just hit rock bottom, you know, and, and, it, and, and everything is just... Like, yo, I'm, I'm ready to go. God, just come get me. Don't, don't feel that way, you know. Just, just lift yourself up and tell yourself, man, it's got to be something better. And, and know what you want. And once you know what you want, you know, God going to give you what you ask for. It might not come when you want it to come, but it's going to come. That's a guarantee. That's a guarantee. But you've got to be persistent. Yeah. Don't give up. And, and, and that's what I mean. That's why I like what you're talking about when you say don't quit. You know, I had to learn that the hard way, you know, mm-hmm. don't quit, you know, because, you know, it was like, you know, like once again, you know, I had to make a, I had to make a choice. I know there were two things that were going to happen. The first thing I knew that was going to happen, I was going to die. Now, the choice of my dying is whether I'm going to die in prison or I'm going to die out in the world, out in, out in the society. So, but either way, I knew I was going to die. But the thing was, was this, what can I say to myself that I did right before I died? And that was what I had to live with. That's what I mean by choice. That was my choice. The choice was because I got around good people and good people helped me to see what I needed to to do in my life. Like Sharif, you know, these are the type of brothers that helped me to, you know, to to make that change and, and become a positive person and get back to society in some way, form, or fashion. And that's what, and that's what I liked about that, you know? And, and that's, why I like, that's why it's so easy to get back to people because I know what it's like to be through hell. I know what it's like to have everybody turn their back on you. And I know what it's like to have life taken away from yes, you. Yes, you Literally, <laughs> a life taken away from you. You know what I mean? So, 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 when other people, so when other people say, yo, the chips are down, I'm on my last leg, yo. I'm, I, you know, I don't care if I never die, yo. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to go out. I'm ready to just chip out. I'm ready to put a gun in my head. I'm ready to hang myself. I'm ready to take pills. I'm ready to drink myself to death. Time out. Time out. You know, that's your warning point. Time out. You do better, but you got to make up your mind. Can nobody do that for you? Yep. You know, that's your rock bottom. That's your rock bottom. You can turn all that around with one. Thing. One key word, and I'm gonna keep saying, you have a choice. The word is choice. You have a choice. Yep. You have a choice. You know, and the choice is yours. You know, it's like the yin and yang, the good and the bad, the, 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 the evil and the good, whatever you want to call it. You know, 
Lucifer or Satan, whatever you want to call him, you know, or, or the devil, whatever. You know, that's your choice. You make that final decision. And that's what I learned when I speak about my, my, my seven principles and inside of them principles about all the things that you can learn about life. It did. Believe me, this didn't come overnight. Right. This took a long time for me to understand. You know, but it was it was a decision that I had to make. And that's what I try to tell the young and the old, hey, you know, as long as you're alive, I've got something for you. But it's when you it's when you when you pass away, we don't know how life is. When you're gone, you're gone. You know. But while you're alive, while while you're alive, like what you're all doing, you know, giving this information to people, helping other people to understand, hey man, there's always somebody worse. You know. You you know, you, you don't have to do this to yourself, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that's a God given gift, man. Everybody can't do that. Huh. I, did you just pay me a compliment? Because I would, I mean, I was just enamored by what you were saying, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't leave it. Uh, God dang, dude. I, breaking stuff again, dude. Yeah, look, hey, here, I got so many things. When you when you talk about the chips are down, look, man, that's the test, right? So when you're in school, in high school, you, you study for a few weeks and then you have an exam. When you get out in real life and you're you're done with your education, because that's what's supposed to prep you for the real life, and then you get into the hard spot, that's the test, man. That's what you're... That's what life has dealt you to deal or to actually to, to symbolize or signify what you've just learned. And if you haven't learned enough to pass that test, that's the hard time. And it doesn't matter how yeah. far you go down. You can just identify the problem and then push forward. And good, man. There you go. Thanks again for coming out here and sharing everything with us. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. Uh, incredible story. Thank you for taking the time to, to share that with us, Dewey. I mean, hearing it, you know, reading yeah. it or seeing it on TV, but hearing it straight from your mouth. Uh, like I said, when we first started this interview, God, I wish you were sitting there. I, I, I wish you were sitting I'll give you a hug, man. Um, all right, brother. <laughs> well, hey, man, we got to get out of here. I appreciate the time you had, man. And again, it was an honor to meet you, and I look forward to uh, meeting you one day in person. Thank you. Got Thank it. you so much. And thanks for having me on the show. God bless. God bless, sir. Out here. All right, God bless. Definitely a lot of lessons learned out of that conversation, bro. Man, I've been waiting to talk to this guy forever. Ever since I saw that documentary on him, man, I've just been doing the research. And I mean, it. I got to tell you, I don't, I don't know what kind of mechanism it takes inside of a person. And I can honestly say this, and I would, I don't know if I'd have turned it around like he did. I mean, especially after all that adversity, I'd have been, I'd, I walk around pissed off most of the day anyway, unfortunately. But to have something like that happen and just say, that goes back into the faith thing, I guess. That, man, that's a great point. I, the environment in which you grew up in and that in the direction that it pushes a lot of men, it, it, man, he's a prime example of the, the labels he was strapped with, obviously. He didn't become a statistic. Yeah, he turned it around. didn't allow somebody to, to, to tell him what he was going to become. And, and the best, what I love about his story, man, it's straight up. He's like, hey, look, I, I wasn't no angel. You know, I did some bad stuff. And, uh, but I didn't murder anybody and take a life. And I and he's stuck by that, and that's just integrity, right there, man. I, anybody says that word when I'm around, I, he's the first person I think of. Now he hit the nail on the head when he was talking about he, when he laid out his seven points of performance for for the audience. Fear, he's got to deal with it. Commitment, always commit. He said he's always committed to be a better person. 
forgive, determination, hope, and faith, struggle, and con- conflict. And the number one is he kept start driving. What you always got to remember is you always have a choice. Yeah, that was your choice. You can't blame anybody else. You can't point any fingers. At the end of the day, what it boils down to is your choice. Yeah. Now, some people could argue, it's like, well, you can make a choice either live or die, you know, in the face of whatever. But now you still got, they offered him a, hey, you can walk out of here right now. But he had such intestinal integrity. He's like, nope. Dang, we'll rehash what happened to him. He gets dang upset, dude. He, you're exactly right. I mean, to, to it's kind of one of them deals like, you know, everything you just put me through, you think I'm going to give up the one thing I got and that's just what I have inside? Because say- you're, you're taking everything else from me. Yeah. You done stripped me down. You can't get a hold of this. I have to physically do this. I got to sign this. No way, man. I'm not giving you that. And you held on to that. Became the game everything, man. Everything you ever wanted. That's, that's, and you couldn't get a better show for Team Never Quit, right? Well, Wizard, get us a poster of that guy. Good Lord. <laughs> Man, Dewey, thank you so much. You, you you taught me even more than I'd ever learned from you in, watching in the past. You on, watching you on TV and reading about you. Yeah. So thank you, man. Thanks for standing up for what you believed in. Thanks for, for walking tall and, and changing your life and being an example to uh younger to, generation. Yeah, a lot of people coming up. So All right. One last thing we like to do on the show before we end is read letters of inspirations from our listeners. Sure. This letter happens to be from Jesse Jones. It reads Gentlemen, love the show. I've always struggled with putting into words how I felt, the drive that I had, the will to overcome. But it wasn't until I heard your show for the first time that it clicked. Never quit. My story isn't near as as inspiring as others I've heard on your show, but my life has been a struggle and I feel I've done very well considering. My mother abandoned me when I was six months old. My father didn't know what to do with me, so he dropped me off at my grandparents'. When I became too much for them to handle, I was returned to my father and new stepmother. For the next four years, I was mentally and physically abused. In an effort to help me, my half-sister managed to locate my birth mother. With nowhere else to go, I decided to see if I could make a life with a woman that didn't want me from the get-go. And as my life would have it, her husband kicked me out, and her only words were, good luck. I managed to graduate high school and was forced to move back to my father's until I was a legal adult. This was the lowest point for me. I had been shuffled around and not wanted for so long that I finally snapped and made a stupid decision that would cost me greatly, but would also turn out to be a life-changing event. I robbed a fast food restaurant with two other guys. This landed me with a 10-year sentence, seven years served with Arkansas's finest. I went into the state penitentiary at the youthful age of 19 and 160 pounds. With little life experience to prepare me for what I was about to go through, not that anything could ever prepare me, but this introverted, shy, frail teenager that I was was far from what I needed to be when I walked off that bus and into those gates. What the next seven years showed me was that I had, the, I had it in me to never quit. Faced with life or death situations, not knowing what was waiting for you around the corner, fight or flight all the time, and the latter not even an option. I grew up quick and at once I found that I had what it took to survive. I knew it was up to me from here on out. The day finally came when I was able to breathe fresh air again. Reintroduction into the real world was just as brutal as it was the first time, but I managed to find a job. I met a lovely lady that showed me what love was all about. We've been married for six years, and I have two beautiful daughters and a house on six acres, plus a life I never thought possible. I listened to your show as a reminder that just because I'm not fighting for my life now doesn't mean that I need to forget 
about the drive that got me here. Your program is motivational to say the least, and I look forward to each new episode. It really makes a difference. Jesse Jones. Mr. Jones, don't sell yourself short, brother. I mean, uh, being in a cage, that's a hell of a thing. And the worst part about it is how our, our, the labels our society throws on somebody who goes in there. I mean, it's kind of once, I don't really care what you did, man. Once you go in there, it's that, that stamp on you. Never forget who you are or what you are, man, no matter where you're at. You lock down in a cage, if you're in a hole, if, if you just don't think there's an out. That's when you rely on yourself, right? That's when you start teaching yourself that the, the value you have is, is what you learn, not, not the things around you. And relying on other people in, in, in a lot of situations brings a lot of good things, man. But when all that's stripped away from you and all you got is yourself, and that's, that's one of the strongest things you can have because you won't quit on yourself. Well, I would hope, but I'm almost certain that, that, that Jesse is passing this learned knowledge off to his his little ones. I hope he's spreading the wealth around to all the, the other younglings around there saying, hey, look, you know, life can get hard, but you got to look past all that. I mean, here we got a guy that owned up to his mistakes, paid his time, paid his penance, and now he's out living the dream. Yeah, he's a prime example of what it takes. I mean, when you when you you do mess up, we all make mistakes. I mean, you can't apologize for something unless you make a mistake. And if you, and we always go back to this, man. In certain environments, in certain situations, man. It doesn't matter who the person is. If they're if they're there, man, and things go bad, they get pigeonholed into something. It's kind of a snowball effect. You just keep rolling and rolling and rolling on it. And especially, and if you don't have family to back you up, like he didn't, and it, worse, man, if they're not backing you up, they're doing bad things to you. You ain't got anybody. I mean, no place to go. His story ought to resonate with a lot of people who are locked up, man. That, that Yeah, you're in there, man. You're doing your time. Starts right then and there. You push forward and, and don't look back. Learn from the mistakes and, and, and be proud of yourself. And I bet you anything, it, w- it wasn't easy. Like he said, reintegration into society. Yeah, the uphill battle all the way. Well, here's the thing is, is every, humans by design, man, we don't want to deal with other people's problems, right? And, and everyone's struggling. And you got the guys who, I mean, you got people who are out there struggling who haven't done anything wrong and are struggling. And you got the guys, man, they, they were trying to get by and they made a mistake. That one mistake sometimes gets carried with them their whole life. And, and if other people think that of you, man, so what? You did your time. You made a mistake. You learned from it, man. It's, it, I like to say, man, don't let anybody's per- perception of you become your reality. Mm-hmm. Push forward from that and never quit, man. Never look back. Write your own book, man. You let everybody else tell your story. You're just a character in, in, in their life. Don't let that happen to you, man. Good job, Jesse. Way to yeah. turn it around, brother. Thanks for writing in, Jesse. We appreciate that. Great story. Man, to close this out, I'd like to, I'd like to thank my brother for sitting in. And, and it's just been an honor going back and forth with you, man, and bringing up all the uh, stuff from our past that correlate with our guests. And, and thanks to Dewey for coming on here. I, I, I've been so excited to have you on and, and listen to you and, and learn from you. I can't say that enough. I'd just like to thank thank the wife for letting me do this and thank for all y'all for coming back and and uh, keeping us on the microphone. We promise we'll keep coming back and, and doing the best we can to bring these amazing people to you and share their stories. How about you, brother? I'm thankful for having the opportunity to have traveled the world in the Navy and come full circle and being able to sit back here with my brother and be together with him again. Thank God for that. And then I want to Thank my beautiful wife for giving me my second son, who is Lincoln. An, an amazing young man so far. And like Mark said, thank you for everybody that's listening to this show. And God bless everybody. And hey, well, quit. Man. 
I, I thank God for letting us be born common and into nothing, into the family we were and for the friends that we got. Because we've had, my brother and I have had the best life anyone can ask for, man. We, we truly have. All that is because of y'all, and we know it. So thank y'all, everybody, for allowing us to not have to go to sleep to live in a dream. I'm out.